Welcome to the Messy Progress Podcast, the show that will give you the courage and confidence to get messy, uncaged, and liberated so that you're living your most vibrant life. I'm your host, Adrian Smith, and I'm so stoked that you're here. Let's jump right in. Today, I'm talking with Tegan Rose. She's a certified somatic therapist, movement and voice teacher, multidisciplinary performer, and published photographer and author. She started acting in the theater at age 12, and during her 20s, she studied and experienced various movement modalities, somatic therapies, spiritual perspectives, and plant medicines to continue to learn about her relationship with her body and with nature. Her connection with the expressive arts has provided a unique foundation for her own healing and her work as a somatic therapist and teacher. Tegan offers movement classes and voice classes integrating body psychotherapy, neuroscience, spirituality, and playful expression for an experience that is deeply holistic and accesses our innate creativity. Let's jump right into the conversation. I was I was actually curious to ask you because um, after the last one, when I expressed that I felt really anxious about the last time that we chatted and you were like, yeah, I was kind of out of practice too. <laughs> and um, I, I was curious, like, when was the last time that you had one of these? Um, I mean, more recently I've been doing them again. So now it's now that it's a different answer, mm. but, um, yeah, the gosh, I feel like being on the interviewer side of the podcasting different from being on the interviewee side yeah. is, yeah. um, yeah, it's been like whenever the last one, September of 2022, maybe. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 So mm. it's been a while, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I've only been on, um, oh, I say only the fact that I've even been on any podcast at all is, is, is a really sweet thing, but I've done, um, two, I think two others in the past for friends. And I remember at the end of each one afterwards, going back and thinking like, why does that feel so hard? Oh, interesting. Yeah. I think that there's a part, I, I think that, um, you know, and part partially, I'm going to change my like setting here. Yeah, no, that, looks, that looks a little better. I think it's like the moment that we think, like once the, like the, we hit the record button, something happens, and mm-hmm. I feel like I'm trying to navigate through how to do that the best way so that it feels good for for me talking to you and anybody else as well as you and anyone else that I interview. But um, it's funny because I've experienced it where you know, there's, it doesn't matter how many times you've performed or how many times you've been in front of people speaking, there's all of a sudden something that shifts when we're kind of on the spot and then someone else is going to hear it. I think we start filtering ourselves in a little bit of a different way. Definitely. Yeah. And no, no bad, right or wrong about it. It's just an awareness practice of, wow, I was different on that conversation. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. as you're speaking about it, I'm thinking about the the fact that in um in acting, I started in um I started on on stage, did a little bit of film, but then ultimately went back to like primarily being on stage because for me it feels like there's something I don't know much more much softer to me and my system about 
being um, on a stage or, or being in a room of people rehearsing something where, yes, maybe the director says like action, like go ahead, start the scene whenever you're ready. But it feels very different than having a device then pulled up, you know, in front of your face and then action. And it feels like there's kind of a disconnection from from the other humans in the space almost. Um, so just recognizing how much more I I tended to prefer theater over being on screen. And it took, yeah, quite a bit of practice to get comfortable on camera. Now go back into that. I want to know more about that backstory because I don't know that part yeah. of you. I just know from your, like, you know, reading your bio and, right, you know, hearing that part of yourself and what you share on social media of your background. I think I even saw one of your clips from some show you were on and I was like, oh my yeah. God. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, totally. I know. And there's even been this this clip of um, a horror film that I did like, I don't know, five, six years ago or something. That was just me and my friends like making something fun. And I was shocked to see that it has like over a million views on YouTube. And I get random like people from my friend groups being like, what the hell is this? Like, I didn't know, you know, that that you did this. So yeah, I realized that in the um the place that I'm in now in my life there's a lot of people that don't know that don't know about me but so I started uh, acting when I was about 12 so it's been the the theater arts have been a part of my world for much longer than I guess the therapist part of me like the therapist healer part of me in hindsight I feel like I was always trying to heal something through acting and being in the arts. When I look back and take a look at the the kinds of plays and films that that I did all the way from age 12 through performing arts high school, through um, getting a degree in performance from University of Michigan, my favorite roles were always the ones where the character was really flawed and had a lot of challenges and it required a lot of curious investigation on my part to try to understand their point of view and why they were were presenting in such a way um, on the stage or on the screen. Because I felt like it taught me so much about humanity and being compassionate with people and being compassionate with myself when I was showing up in ways in my life that I maybe judged. Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah. Then what got you into it? What started you to act at 12? <laughs> um, well, I was always a very, it's funny, I was about to say I was always a very creative child, but I actually think all children are naturally creative. And then we just learn how not to be as we get older. But my mom actually was at the time part of this playwriters platform. And so she was collaborating with different playwrights in the Boston area, um, which is where I'm from. And one of her friends had written this monologue and she wanted to hear it read, but needed to be read by the age of the character. And the age of the character was about 12. And so my mom asked me if I wanted to go and read it so that this playwright could see how it sounded. And I remember going in and and we just sat out down on a table. She was just like, go ahead, go ahead and just read it however you want. You know, there's no judgment here. Just, just go ahead and do it. And I just remember reading this monologue from this, you know, 12 year old girl's perspective and just feeling so much. I remember feeling like my state of mind shifted in those moments and that I was, 
yes, sensing in my own body what this girl was feeling as I was reading those, those words. And I just became obsessed with what that realm is, that realm of where imagination can, can take us. And so right after that, my mom and I were like, we need to keep doing this. <laughs> she was like, I'll do it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Do you ever get that feeling when you're reading stories? Like if you're reading a book? Yeah, I do. If I'm reading a book or if I am listening to a story be told and yeah, whenever it's something where the person that's telling the story or, or the, what I'm reading has that sense of connection to like the soul or the heart of, of what's being shared I feel like I feel that in my own body too, which is probably why um, it actually took me a long time to enjoy reading books because I was so obsessed with reading plays because I like to hear the the personal perspective of the characters. So when you're working with people, do you ever have them have them read mm. or um, kind of things? Like I'm putting myself yeah. in that perspective of you as a 12 year old and then reading something. I, like the, the the image I'm having it, even in that is the ability for someone to tap into an emotion that maybe is not something that they normally tap into. Absolutely. Yeah. Not necessarily in my like, you know, somatic therapy style offerings, but when I was teaching acting workshops more regularly, the people who would come in and had never experienced acting or the art of acting before, they would usually leave pretty surprised, like um, beautifully surprised at how healing it was for them. Um, I distinctly remember this experience, getting a workshop here in Santa Barbara um, right before the pandemic happened. And it was this wonderful, willing group of people who came in and I had us all, um, I just picked two random um, scripts of like my, some of my favorite scripts. And then I split it, split the group up. And, um, one of the scripts was about this like, young girl in the relationship with her mother. And it was the mother and the daughter having this, this, um, kind of fight argument. And so much magic can happen because I, I didn't know that one of the, the girls in the space that I gave the script to had some challenges with her mother but wasn't fully aware of some of the feelings that she had about it. And so through reading the script and kind of giving herself permission through the scene to be angry with her mother figure in the ways that she didn't realize she was holding on to, like she got to have a cathartic experience. She got to say the things to her mom that she wanted to say. And um, she got to discover a part of herself that she didn't know was there. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's really powerful. I'm thinking of the word just because you do embodiment work mm -hmm. is like embodying the anger. Yeah. And then letting it be expressed versus yeah. oppressed and not even in that realm of, I didn't even know I had any until I got to have some and someone gave me permission to be able to express that. Yes. Yeah. And, and I feel like one of the reasons why we do that is like, you know, if we're on, on the topic of acting and characters and the roles that we play, like we are playing roles all the time. I imagine that most often the role that we've kind of 
learned to play as ourselves is serving us pretty well. <laughs> but in in the acting world, if you know you have the the bravery and the willingness and the curiosity to embody a character that maybe there's like some judgment about them at first. Sometimes, yeah, you get to discover like, wow, this is, yeah, a part of me that has been suppressed or a part of me that, you know, was told that it's not right or it's bad or it's stupid from a young age. And so I just push that part away. Um, or maybe there um, is just natural change happening in the body over time. But because we've identified so strongly with who we're supposed to be, we don't like let ourselves naturally shift and change along with um, our nature, mm-hmm. um, which is, yeah, another way that these these characters can serve us. Yeah. I love that you said like those subtleties in the body that show up mm-hmm. that are telling you something. Talk more about that. About the subtleties in the body? Yeah. Yeah. Like what you're, what, what, when you're working with someone, I'll just like more specifically. Yeah. And they have, you know, they're, 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 they become aware that something new is occurring in the, you know, first started talking about the acting part of it. And then they're able to tap into some expression outwardly that they didn't experience or hadn't experienced before. But then there's prior to that, there's, there's most likely, at least from my experience, a subtle shift that happened in the body before the anger was able to be expressed. Right. When you work with someone, do you have them like rewind and get to that point? Can you see someone experience that kind of change or how do you get, how do you like get someone to see and I say, get someone to see, you're not forcing them, but it's sort right, of like, right. you saw something happen that they might not be aware of. And now it's like, no, 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 something just happened. I, what happened there? Like Absolutely. in a good way. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Those moments definitely happen of like, whoa, let's pause. Let's pause and just feel, listen, you know, breathe, like notice the subtleties of space inside or shifts in space inside. I feel like what what you're talking about here what it what it reminds me of is like some of the um subtler workings of somatic therapy and uh, more specifically somatic experiencing like the model of a somatic experiencing um which in my experience with my own um somatic therapist that I work with regularly noticing how valuable it is in those spaces to teach ourselves to have the ability to be present with really tiny changes that are happening inside, whether it's a shift in how our breath is moving, whether it's noticing something like, oh, I feel like my shoulders just got more dense or noticing, I, I feel like, um, there's a sensation and, you know, the back of my spine all of a sudden that wasn't there before. And it doesn't have to make sense to, to the mind for it to still be um, significant. Cause even if it, it doesn't have a thread that we can follow to some kind of greater purpose um, by training ourselves to be aware of, of those little shifts and changes, what we're really training ourselves to do is to be with ourselves as we grow and change and as we heal. Because I, I think where a lot of like 
re-traumatization can happen in the healing process is when we try to jump to where we want to be too fast. And usually that happens when we like, maybe we're on the right path, but then at some point we leave our body because the, um, the, the impact of the experience what we're working with gets to be too much. So being with the body, one of the ways that we train to do that is being with sensation, being present with those tiny little shifts. Yeah. Yeah. And then that creates a new relationship. Yeah. I I'm, I'm curious if you've experienced that for yourself with all of the different healing modalities that, that you've tried, have you noticed like a difference in relationship to your body or to tracking sensations? Yeah. I mean, it comes up in different, it's, it's interesting. The most recent thing I'll share on is I went to, uh, I've spent the last kind of, we'll call it 10 months since I got back from my journey on the ocean. Um, just kind of fucking off and just being like, I'm going to do whatever I want. And that, <laughs> that, that came from going to an intuitive healer who did like Reiki and a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know what I was walking into. And she did, she was like channeling some stuff, people, I don't even know. Mm-hmm. And, but one of the things that she spoke out loud was do whatever the fuck you want. And she's like, and then after the session, we broke it down and she's like, okay, this is what came through. And yada, yada, yada. Normally she records the whole session so that you can have whatever, because sometimes you can't remember back to whatever was getting kind of channeled through um, in that way. Yeah. And she's like, but of all the things, she's like, it wasn't just do whatever you want. It was do whatever the fuck you want. (laughs) Very clear. And I was like, oh, it's my mom. Like she's there. (laughs) She's like pumping that message in. And um, anyway, I fast forward to now looking back on the last 10 months is... I like fully took that on. I was like, if I want to travel, I'm going to do that. If I want to have someone else run this part of my business, I'm going to do that. If I want to eat sweet potato fries and burgers once a week or more, I'm going to do that. But it's, and then, so this last year I've taken on this, uh, at the beginning of the year, I worked, was working with a storytelling coach. And one of the things she said was declare your year. And so Mm -hmm. I, I did that. And that my year is, this is the year of seeing for myself. Mm -hmm. I'm going to see for myself you know, how it feels to essentially have been in this, <laughs> this game of like swinging the pendulum so far the other direction yeah. where I'm witnessing, oh, I, I thought that I, I thought this felt, I thought I, I thought I, I was on vacation with some friends and I said the words, I'm like, I feel really tired. And then my, my friend goes, I think, I think you want to change the word tired. And I was like, so what? And she's like, relaxed. Like, (laughs) I was like, no, my eyes are tired. Like I do feel tired, but yes, the feeling of relaxed. Mm. I don't think I know what that felt like. Wow. And so just because she brought that up, I was like, oh my gosh, all this time I've been relating to that sensation in this way. Mm. And then, and then what does that give me? Like, oh, I'm tired and it's 2 PM. Then I need to not be tired at 2 PM. And so I need to have coffee and I need to do more. And I, you know, whatever that is. And now I'm like, oh, if you're relaxed, what can get accomplished internally? And then even externally when you're relaxed. Yeah. And so um, fast forward this last week, physically, I've been now looking at, I'm like, okay, now that I've spent these last couple months, several months, just 
kind of going all over the board in terms of where the pendulum swings. I was like, I actually want to start to take care, better care of myself. Mm-hmm. And if that someone was to say, hey, you need to start doing this and start taking a B vitamin because it's good for you. You know, all these different trends and things that can happen to us and go get this IV drip and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I don't know that I believe you. But I started to look for myself. I got blood work done and I saw where all my markers were. I went to the chiropractor, got an x-ray to see I have this like kind of clicking that happens in my back. And he's like, structurally, everything's fine. He's like, you might have like this little tendon that's slipping over one of your vertebrae or somewhere. And, Mm -hmm. but I just want you to know that nothing that we can see is structurally wrong. And just by him saying that it gave me freedom. Now, Mm -hmm. why did that have to come from someone else? Sure. But sometimes I think the answer is, and I've read this in, you know, books from different physicians and doctors and healers that they're like, you do, it is good to exhaust the possibilities of what can be a culprit, right? Yeah. Then know that like the journey is then the cho- your choice. Which one of these things do you want to try on? Which healing modality? Which, whose voice do you want to listen to? And there's so many options now more than ever of who we can listen to, get advice from, get coached from, get, this is the way, this is the way. And it's, it's, um, coming from a place of call it healing, but not healing because there's anything broken. Right. It's healing because I want to heal and I want to Mm -hmm. like feel more optimized, not fix something that is nagging and I'm complaining about it. It's like, no, everything's great. And now how can I feel better? Right. How can I feel better in my body? Right. Or, or just lean into enjoying that feeling of feeling so, so good. Cause I, I certainly um, have fallen into those spaces before as well of, of like getting, getting used to the hustle, getting used to being so caffeinated, getting, you know, getting used to working so hard and being so tired and, and, and telling everybody about it. Exactly. And I'm we're so bonding busy. over this. Oh my God, I'm exhausted. Aren't you exhausted? <laughs> and it's, and it's true. And it like it there, there is that bonding experience over the struggles in life. Like it's, that's so real. And and I don't want to, you know, downplay that as, as funny as it is. But then of course, I think many of us reach a point of going like how much of my own, yeah, optimization or joy or enjoyment in, in the subtle and the simple, am I willing to sacrifice to, to go along with what most of the world is doing? Yeah. And, um, we'll go through waves, you know, waves and, and, and cycles of going in and out of that probably, but that, that ability to hear the inner voice or inner voices, all the different inner voices in, in the body sharing information about like maybe what our soul is wanting Mm -hmm. beyond what culture wants. Yeah. Um, It's a powerful place. Yeah. So talk about how does someone Mm -hmm. discern Mm -hmm. the difference between your body speaking to you Mm -hmm. and your mind contributing to that? Because it's happened so fast that it's hard for the average person to discern. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
Well, that's a hard one. <laughs> well, how do you, how, let's say, what's the first step towards like, you know, you work with, you work with my teams in different ways yeah. of, um, I, I can think of different, it's a lot of it's like different exercises, right? But yeah. yeah, I think of it as there has to be some level of experiencing. You have to, you can't just theoretically talk about it as, you know, we're talking, oh. giving some tips, but like, what's an experience someone can put themselves in mm-hmm. to then get better access to being more discerning? Absolutely. Yeah. And I, and I articulate that it's, it's hard mainly to just kind of acknowledge that it is that like, even, even though I, I know that myself and and sounds like you as well, you know, come a long way with discerning the difference between the head voice and, you know, voices and, and messages from, from the body. Like it still is a struggle at times, but I feel like there are two things that come to mind. One is the, like the self-practice time that comes from, from being quiet, which is why I think different forms of meditation can be so powerful. Um, whether that is meditation where you're sitting and, and listening, or from, for me, um, I like to do moving meditations. So it's like very, very slow, um, kind of non-linear movement and, and noticing sensation in the body. And I think that those subtler, quieter spaces are so powerful because at first, usually the mind is really busy and is very loud. But if you stay with practice like that long enough and, and drop into doing it more regularly, the voices that come from the body, you start to distinguish the the differences. And I feel like it's going to be different for everybody. And so I can't give like a, this is the way that it is answer, but I do know that it's the kind of thing that like, you know, unless you're on like a psychedelic trip and it just happens and all of a sudden you feel, you know, the, the difference is there. It's a practice. It's, it's a, it's a muscle that needs to be exercised just like, like everything else that that we get good at, like learning the language of the body is something that has to be practiced regularly. Um, and so it's at the point now where with myself, where I don't really have to think about it. I know pretty instantly the difference between judgments and and thoughts and stories that are coming from my mind versus wisdom that that comes from my body and my fascia and my and my muscles and my spirit. But I still practice this kind of awareness every single day. Mm-hmm. Every single day in in various forms. The key word that you used I think is the very you said various forms it can be. Mhm. But I think the period, the the part that most of us don't get or give ourselves is the quiet. Yeah. And the the image that comes to mind, I think I shared with you after I went and saw a therapist and we did some EMDR and then I just like mm-hmm. brought myself down to the beach and I texted you and I was like, oh my God, I just like wanted to shake. And I was just like at the beach and I was just like shaking up my hands and like dropping my shoulders and just planting my heels down. It just felt so good. But I also noticed I felt just drawn to go do that. That's where I wanted to go. That's where I wanted to be. And then instantly I was judging because I was in public, Mm -hmm. like public as in who gives a shit really what I'm doing. I didn't know anyone there. And, but I also was like noticing this feels weird that I'm shaking my body out at the beach while everyone Mm -hmm. else is not doing that because it's just what you don't do at the beach. Sure. But I think like that part, <laughs> the practice of quiet is um, it's a lot of times easier at the beginning, 
I, for myself, Mm. when that judger comes up to be by myself, like, even if my husband catches, catches me, I use that word meditating. I feel like I'm not supposed to be sitting there and quiet. We're so much more used to seeing each other like this, like, Mm. "Hmm, this is natural. Right. But Mm. like, I don't, I don't want my daughter to, to, to think like, this is how I, my most, the best existence of me is, is like sitting there on my phone, but I want her to see the practice of quiet. No, not even music on sometimes of journaling or, um, you know, just what you've talked about is like doing some of the nonlinear movements where you're like really starting to feel into the body, but it comes from a place of getting quiet first. Yeah. And another thing that I, I hear you tuning into when you're talking about the impulse that you felt to go to, to the beach and you even made a movement with your hand, you, you like brought your hand from your body forth into space, right? <laughs> which that's a very, that's a very somatic thing. That is one of the ways the body speaks through, through gesture, physical expression, other ways that I've experienced myself or other people um, and the way that their body is speaking is through like non-intentional sounds, or sometimes people will see colors or sometimes like a song will come to mind that has lyrics that are, you know, m- like that speak to you in, in, in some way. I feel like anything that's kind of coming from a, like we, if we tune into the idea of, of, of nature and the, the creativity and kind of sometimes impulsivity that that can come from a natural primal state that's that's often where we're going to start tuning into the difference between the mind and the body because the mind often wants to make sense of what's happening the body is like this is just what is yeah and that's how kids operate back to that creativity right right is they're not making sense of anything like it's funny my daughter just she starts talking about the most random things that yeah. in an adult world would be inappropriate like death and, you know, just how they die. This happened. They, you know, just like, she just goes right at it. But she's not making sense of it. She's having a conversation. Yeah. And even in that, I think it shows that there isn't this attempt to make sense of things. And when that happens for me and I get to see it in another person on a regular basis, it's this very quick reminder to me that I am spending so much time in my head, mm-hmm. trying to make sense of something, processing something, trying to figure something out. And that trying to figure something out or strategize in some way when it's not strategy time is just a, it's a waste of actually being really fully present. It's wild. Right before this call. So, so interesting that you bring up those two things of where you feel like pulled to just like natural impulses. Yeah. I was driving in the car and I felt, I started singing the the song, Sweet Child of Mine. Yes. And I was like, I don't even know the words, but I felt like I just started to sing what I thought were the words. And yeah. then I looked up on my phone, what, what um, like an acoustic version of it, because I didn't feel like the Guns N' Roses version. And I, n- now that you're bringing these things up, I'm like, oh, I felt, I felt called to sing. I felt called specifically to this song. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't, where did that come from? <laughs> right. Right. But it felt so non-judgmental and non trying to figure it out. And just more of like, I want more of that in life mm. where you're just 
kind of go, it, it feels, you use the word impulsive and then I, you know, match that. It feels yeah. impulsive, but in a good way, different right. from grabbing your phone impulsive or grabbing the candy at the grocery store aisle or mm-hmm. um, cracking open a beer mm-hmm. because that's what we're used to. Which I, I think what, yeah, as you're naming each of those things, what I'm feeling is the difference between that kind of impulsive and the the kind of good impulsive that we're talking about is reaching for the phone um, or for a beer or for, you know, something like that, that is an impulsive to distract from feeling, to usually distract from being in the moment with ourselves. Usually there's some kind of discomfort there, maybe something we don't want to feel, or we're just not used to being in stillness or silence or simplicity with our own bodies and our own thoughts to the point where we're just used to always being occupied versus this other kind of impulsivity usually is coming directly from the body, from being present, from honoring ourselves. So it's not a distraction. It's, it's an extension of the moment, um, I think is the main two differences. And I'm so glad that you brought up the, the, the voice piece, because I feel like, um, my experience with a voice as an instrument as well is that it, it's a feeling instrument. You can't learn how to um, like sing or use the voice through analyzing it. There are some ways that you can analyze it for sure, but ultimately you're going to have to feel in here for what's going on, whether you're singing in a way that's harming your voice or singing in a way that feels absolutely, you know, euphoric and and connected. You have to come back to feeling and sensing and, and listening. Yeah. That's like a requirement for that understanding. Yeah. That ex- back to that word of experience, like mm-hmm. you're not going to learn how to discern mind from body. If you don't practice the attempt of discerning mm-hmm. and you can't do it by just listening. I like, I think this is one of the things with podcasts that mm-hmm. I've, I've almost felt like resistant towards doing it again, because I don't want to just put information out there for people to be like, hmm, cool, check. That's interesting. Boom. Let's move on. Because like I can catch myself doing that thing where I'll go from like one book to the next book and listen to podcasts. And there's times for gathering information. Mm-hmm. And then there's the practice, take the information, knowledge is power, and then do something with it. It's like, if you want to get better at learning mm. about yourself, then you have to experience yourself. If you want to get better at singing and vocalizing, then you have to sing. Right. <laughs> practice. All the things in the world are a practice. Like, yeah. Someone is a nurse and they're, you know, figuring out how to t- draw blood. Guess what? They, they got to practice. Got to draw blood. And maybe mess up a couple times. <laughs> yes. And um, so with that for you, what's your, um, do you have any current like rituals, rhythms that you practice right now on a daily basis? First of all, I love that phrase, ritual rhythms. Mm. Good. That's a good, I'm writing that down just because that's good. (laughs) (laughs) Ritual rhythms. Yeah. So it's, I I like that you mentioned, um, you know, singing in the, in the car. I've heard for 
a lot of people actually that the car can feel like quite a safe space, <laughs> especially when we're driving because there's like noise around. Nobody's really paying attention to you. You can say whatever the fuck you want in the car, sing as badly as you want in the car. Um, and, you know, as long as you're keeping yourself safe, it's great. So, yeah, the the kind of, I guess, ritual rhythms that I have for myself these days, um, I try to always have things that incorporate um, movement, vocalization, and then um, different forms of like kind of self-worship, worshiping my my body and, and myself. So I love to try different voices on in the car and and sing in in the car whenever I'm, you know, driving 20 or 30 minutes somewhere. Um, I love to like wake up in the morning and, um, as I mentioned, do some nonlinear movement for about, I don't know, 10 to 20 minutes. And then, um, when I make space for it, um, at the end of the day, I, I like to sometimes take some time and use, um, there's this wonderful uh, skincare line made by a friend of mine in in Ojai called Earth Tonics, and she makes this amazing um, like breast massage tonic. And I like to massage my breasts and massage other parts of my body or massage my face and just kind of come into contact with different spaces in my body that maybe I wasn't being as present with throughout the day um, to make sure that those parts of me are still welcome in my experience, um, welcome in my in my humanity, even if I unfortunately have ignored them for various parts of the day. Yeah. I think about like ignore them as in like, they're kind of covered up right now, your neck's showing in the you know video, mm-hmm. but it's like a lot of it is we're not like bearing it all walking around. Right. Yeah. And I'm thinking in the shower is that mm-hmm. time of, mm-hmm. well, in the shower. And then also I'm thinking of just eating is just because you use the word worship. And I love that mm-hmm. is, how often are we going through just regular practices of day, things that we just do in our life? We all of us eat every day, go to the bathroom, brush our teeth, probably, and change our clothes, <laughs> you know, maybe shower. But how much are we worshiping ourselves in those practices? And those are the practices that are asking us to pause and be more present and let the food in, let the water on our body, let our hands touch our bodies versus like, just like getting it all done. Like now done, boom, we're on to the day. Yeah. Even just those moments where, you know, anyone listening is, you don't have to, you know, where, where's the time come for more of this stuff? (laughs) It doesn't have to, you're already, people are already doing these things. It's how do you incorporate into the areas that you're going to do it already? Yeah. It could be one minute in the shower of feeling the water on your skin and actually lathering, you know, every bottle of soap says lather, (laughs) (laughs) but are you lathering though? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But it's just like these simple things that are, you know, when you eat your food and I'm guilty of this, um, I, I, I'm standing and eating a lot. I don't eat in the car, but I stand and eat. Mm-hmm. And I realize that I'm, it's a rushing practice. It's not a, a worshiping my food and my body practice. And that alone can be something that creates a new relationship with our bodies and the food that we're consuming. Something that we do um, 
at the end of um, release and reset on Mondays is um, something that I call a somatic self-touch practice. And we usually only do it for about three, maybe five minutes if we have the space. But all that it is, is listening to like identifying, like, is there a place on my body that wants touch in this moment? Okay, great. Place your hands there. Okay. Now with your hands there, like feel into, does this part of the body want a massage? Does it want like tickly touch? Does that part of the body want just like pressure and, and presence and knowing that you're there. And so it's, you know, three to five minutes of being able to tune into back to, you know, what we started with that, that sensing into the subtlety of sensation and what the body is craving for and and asking for in terms of our presence with ourselves. And those three to five minutes make a huge difference in, in then how we relate to ourselves throughout our day um, and the rest of our lives when it's something that we keep continuing to, to return to, because I, I feel like the, like the self-worshipping piece, like, yes, it feels amazing in that, in that moment. And that in itself, I think is benefit enough, but another piece of it is recognizing that when we practice these simple little things for just a few minutes, it ends up also becoming a resource for us in other moments in, in our life when we really, really need it most, when we need to have connection to our innermost voice in, in, in a moment where we need to speak up or, or we need to have connection to our, our truest desires and needs and wants, um, in, in a moment that's, that's asking for it to be able to advocate for ourselves and support ourselves and love ourselves. And yeah, again, like that, that comes from that practice of listening and tuning in and loving on ourselves, loving on ourselves. Yeah. Well, and it's this, there's an article in the Montecito Journal mm-hmm. um, that was out. It's the summer issue. And of one of you, the, right? the one that I'm in there and yeah. the one Peter Park is in there and he, you know, trains a whole bunch of people. And the, one of the things that he wrote that I thought was so profound was he's like, I might work out with you for an hour, but it's the 23 other hours of the day that matter more than just that one hour. So you can do all these things. You can write your list of in the morning, I'm going to do my meditation. I'm going to move my body in these ways. I'm going to eat nourishing food seated. I'm going to lather myself with soap in the shower. And you can do all these things and then pay attention during the other, you know, some of these hours, hopefully you are sleeping eight of them, (laughs) Yeah, but it's like, okay, there's 16, 15 other hours of the day. What are you doing in that time? Can you when you put these things in just like a yoga practice or a workout to his point of what he was making and is then it starts to bleed into those areas. You used the word thread earlier of that connection between one. You you can never go now your whole life without having had that experience of the 12 year old, you having done that reading and having that. And then it, it's a thread that carries yeah. into your delivery and your performance and your desires and the memories that we're able to tap into that were stored in the body in that one moment that you read that stuff. It's, it's all connected in that way. 
Yeah. And, and that's all also to say that, like, of course, we're not going to all be able to, you know, do all of the, pra- you know, all the practice and all the things, all, all of the days. Uh, <laughs> but the, yeah, the, the idea is that by returning to the things that we start to know feel good for us and feel like they're they're nurturing us not on just like an you know external level but on like a deep internal level that like you said those practices they start we start to embody them they start to become a part of us rather than them being a thing that we're doing um to the point where yeah we like we we are our practice of loving ourselves we are our practice of worshiping ourselves and then usually the the desire to then reconnect to those practices starts to become like a fun exciting thing rather than a you know something on a checklist right yeah we look forward to them yeah one of my teachers has said you know you do the yoga for when you can't do the yoga yeah right and i like that because it goes for this the same way it's yeah there's going to be days when you're traveling all day you got to get up early and catch a flight and there's not going to be this time for all of these things that we can have if we were to be given our ideal day is then they they have an effect on you during those stressful times when you're really busy tell me about for you um we've talked about these you know nourishing things and kind of it seems like this kind of a practice in a way comes easy for you because you've been doing it for a long time um you know people listening it's things don't come easy the first time it's like <laughs> it's, it comes messy at the yeah. beginning and uh what's something for you that you're or, or is there anything that you're currently practicing that's like uncomfortable because it's newer Oh yeah. I, I feel like what, what my mind first goes to actually, not necessarily that it's newer, but it's something that's been hard for me for a very long time. like, is the, um, allowing myself to be imperfect and allowing myself to be messy and ugly. And it may not like for anybody who has seen me at ecstatic dance or for anybody who has, you know, um, seen me like guide or lead, um, like a vocal expression workshop or something where I, I really will, you know, go for it and make all of the ugly, weird, funky sounds and body shapes. I, I will, but that doesn't, but I'm, there's still a part of me, like if I'm, if I'm not kind of in a space where I'm serving other people, where I can still judge myself and I can still go mm, like, that doesn't look the way I want it to look, or that doesn't sound the way that I want it to, to sound And it's, you know, it's this recovering perfectionist part of me that was born very, very young, um, very ambitious and, and really wanted to be great at everything that I put my, my mind to, which can turn into being, um, overly harsh and overly critical. And that voice still comes up. And so I think the, often the, the medicine is in the challenge itself. Um, and so when I notice that those um, like overly harsh or critical voices are, are like coming up in a, in a voice practice or in like a grotesque movement practice, sometimes it's just, you know, 
the ability to notice that that's happening and maybe vocalize that, (laughs) you know, maybe vocalize the judgment, let it have it say, so it can leave my body. Or, um, if I'm, you know, moving in a way and starting to judge the way my body looks, maybe I, I, I then go ahead and, and try to move even uglier to try to, you know, get past this idea that I, I need to look or behave a certain way all the time. Um, or, or, you know, the way that I think I should be. So yeah, it's, it's that like perfectionist part of me that can still, still come up. But what's beautiful is that I have these other parts inside of me that feel really like confident and, and solid in the practices that I have cultivated. And they will sometimes show up in those moments to be like, Hey, don't fucking talk to yourself like that. <laughs> like, like, come on, <laughs> shift this around a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Now being the kinder, compassionate mm-hmm. side to like, it's almost like there's these two people that are living inside of us that are mm-hmm. having a fight. Oh, many more. I've got me, many more personalities. Than that. Than that. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, yeah. it's usually just like an argument at a time. And it's whether like that personality is coming up with this personality also present. Yes. 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 And I think the big thing with that is like, when you notice that, cause you use, you know, like you'll, you're, you'll hear a voice that says mm-hmm. something about like that sure. critical part. Do you, um, do you feel, what do you feel in your body when you get critical? It feels like a blockage of, um, the flow of energy in my body. If it, it almost feels like, like a, like a big iron gate just gets put up between like my honest, authentic expression that, you know, doesn't care what other people think, think about me in very kind of childlike whimsy that kind of expression. And this, yeah, this iron gate kind of gets put up between that and its ability to flow through the rest of my body freely. So there's a a, a restriction feeling that, that starts, that starts to happen, which yeah, interestingly enough, that, that is a very common experience for, for me and what I've heard of for a lot of other people as well. Um, when we will, feel a need to restrict, um, like experiencing certain emotions in, in the body. Um, or, uh, if there is, um, like a release of energy that's needing to happen that we're like afraid of what it's going to be like, that kind of blockage will happen too. And what do you do when, and I'm asking you because I have my own practice yeah. and I just like had this occur that when you use those words, I was like, Oh, that just happened this morning. Oh man. Yeah. What I would love to know is so, you know, you're in a meeting or you're with another person having a discussion and you feel that rise but you can't at that moment, let out the anger and the rage and all the outward things that eventually do need to come out, but not at that moment. Cause it's not gonna be helpful. How do you kind of we'll call it like tame that part of yourself for the moment, not forever mm-hmm. so that you can, you know, have what you want to be happening happen. Have you, have you ever um, experienced Tai Chi? Mm-hmm. A little bit. A little bit. Yeah. And me, me too. A little bit. I, not extensively, but, but enough to feel that I love the practice in my body. And to me, it often, it really feels like this art of rather than 
resisting something that's passing through the body, even if it's, if it's unpleasant, is this, you know, letting the energy flow through that there's no beginning, there's no end. It just, you know, the, the flow, it, everything kind of, you know, moves in these waves and circles. Um, the, that's the experience in my body. So I often think of, of it in that way. If I feel a rise of something in my body and, and absolutely there are many circumstances in life where we can't go ahead and throw a tantrum and, and have the experience that maybe the deepest part of us wants to have in that moment. So instead of feeling like uh, I'm tensing and I'm placing a blockage on this and telling it, it shouldn't exist more. So it's, I, I try to breathe. I try to um, recognize that the feeling doesn't need to rise up and out right now. It can flow to a different space in my body, or maybe it flows up and out. I let the movement, um, I kind of, I redirect, I redirect the movement. And then if I, let's say I'm in a meeting and I'm not the person talking, um, and I actually have the space to like sit back and listen and notice what's happening inside, then I may also have the experience of actually literally telling this, this thing that's coming up, like now is not the time, but we'll reconnect later and then doing my best to do so. Yeah. Yeah. I love that this morning. I'll share the story that yeah, I please. <laughs> so my daughter had a, her first day of summer camp and she doesn't like new things and there's a whole thing there and I don't know what it is, but mm. it was, she had to be there at nine drop off at eight 45. I got home from teaching this morning. It's like 10 to eight and she didn't want to have a breakfast. Didn't want to put her clothes on was already like, I'm not going to camp. So that's the scene. And Jason was leaving to go. He's like, well, good luck. I have to go with <laughs> <laughs> like, cool. I'm in a good space. Like just talk class and have a lot of energy. We got this. Like, we're going to make it good. And I just kept saying, like, we're going to make it good. I go to the bathroom and I sit down on the toilet and I say, God, please give me a lot of patience this morning. That was my like only moment alone. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, we had time and space. And so a little bit of time and I was just like, okay, well, we're going to get, you know, 10 minutes or what do you want to do first? Or just kind of giving options and none of it was working. And then I, in my mind, wanted to start threatening. Like, well, if you're not going to go, then this is what's going to happen. And I was like, well, let me see if someone started threatening me when I was pissed, what would I do? I'd be like, I would not do the thing that they want. <laughs> so I was like, okay, noted. You've tried all these threats in the past. They never work. Yeah. And again, my, my mother-in-law has this saying, she's like, it's really easy to have patience when you have time, but without time, your patience runs quite thin. So I'm like, okay. Um, anyway, daughter's upstairs. She still doesn't want to go. And I was like, okay, well, do you want to brush your teeth or do you want to comb your hair? And she's like, no. And I live like, I, I, I was outside of her room. So she didn't see me, but I took the toothbrush and I threw it in the bathroom And then I took her brush and I threw it downstairs and I let my, like I had a moment and I was about to walk in there and just be like raging mom. Yep. Like, oh my God, just the action of doing both of those things. And she didn't see them. I walked in her room and it wasn't like the best experience, but I was like, we're going to go and I'm going to take you. And she was gripping hold of her bed frame. And I was just like, it's going to be fine. And inside I'm just like, 
this is, this is the worst, but exactly what you're saying is like, I'm going to have to process through this later because this is really a lot of someone's resistance. And I don't want to, I don't want it to go this way either. And all of my own, you know, just the cons, the story that can be there, those people that are listening, that are moms that or dads, even that want, you just think like, however, the situation you want it to go. Yeah. What this means, like this means that she's never going to want to go into the ocean. This means that this and all that. And that's what I could sense was like the part of myself that was drawing that resistance up. Mm -hmm. But I mean, she, she, she started being kind of sweet where she was asking me questions. Like, did you grab this? And Mm. I'm like, Oh, she's, she's in. And then I was like, do you want, did you want to bring a stuffy? You know, you, and she's like, yeah, I want mango or her little turtle. And I was like, okay. And just like moment by moment, I'm like, oh my God, I didn't lose it. And yeah. she's, 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 she's kind of on board. She's a little yeah. on board. And she, we got there and she was crying. She didn't want me to leave her side and she wanted me to stay with her the whole day. And, but I was just like, got in the car and I was like, what a win. Yeah. All, all it took was just like, I literally was just like, you know, like something had to just get up and out like that, even just like that action of shaking. And, um, and it was what you like the, the words that were there at the time was like that, what you described as the gate of like, it got locked. Mm -hmm. And in my mind, the thought, the words that were coming up, Oh, is this is not happening. Uh (laughs) But it's like, even that I'm like, okay, yeah, but it is right. This is what's happening. Right. And that, like the whole, like this isn't happening. <laughs> uh, the Gollum voice comes out far after you drop her off. This cannot be. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. But then I think the thing that I also want people to hear is just like it has to come out at some point. Like that was, that was like a big emotional moment for her and for me. And I think what we don't give ourselves is the time afterwards to just like, let all that settle. And we run right to something different. We run right to like a meeting or a workout or yes, the workouts can help. But I think really truly going back to what you first talked about is just like a moment of quiet where you can let that stuff just like have a moment to settle. Yeah. Take a breath because sometimes it is like it's emotional in a way that, um, like it could be. And I've had it, this didn't happen this morning, but like I'll start crying after something like that just because it's like so much. Mm-hmm. And yeah, giving yourself the permission for the moments. Yes. To do that. Yes. I, I often like to think about emotions like, uh, like water. Because we can often call them like, I'm feeling a wave of emotion. You know, there's there's a reason why we have these different somatic terms for, for things like that. And sometimes it'll feel like when there's a big rush of emotion and we know that we can't feel it in that moment, it's like there's a door and the, the emotion is rushing up against the door and we are using all of our weight and tensing all of our muscles to push into the door to just keep it closed for right now, because cannot be flooded with that emotion right now. And with all of the tensing of those muscles, if you're like still holding that emotion behind the door, even if you, you know, jump to the next thing, that charge is still there. 
that charge is still there. And unless you, oh, okay, I've great. I've released, I, I've released it now. Yeah. So I think, I think that's, that's right on. And, and yeah, sometimes it's tears. Sometimes it's shaking. Sometimes it's, it's just something as simple and subtle as a, oh, okay, that's over with brush it off the body, continue on with your day. It can be really, really simple, but yeah, that, that acknowledgement that when we create a charge in the body in, in resistance, that it doesn't just go away because the moment has passed. Mm-hmm that the body's really smart and it remembers things like that. Oh, this was so great. I know. I love talking about this stuff with you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love hearing, um, yeah, just the, 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 all of the, the things that we tune into together that are similar, but like the very different life experiences that we've had that lead us to like slightly, slightly different ways of approaching similar things is really fun. Yeah. It's fascinating. And I, I want to say thank you for, you know, for being at the studio, number one, and, and helping people work on this layer um, in such a way that his, is creating such a healing space. Yeah. And, um, and then also for, you know, you opened the door in to this with me when, you know, we did the first, the photo shoot way back when, and then, yeah. um, and then the couple projects, workshops with my teams, just what that created. I think it's, it, it continues to create ripples for mm-hmm. myself and for each of them in a way that <clears throat> sometimes back to just what we were talking about. It's just like, we do this thing and then it's kind of complete, but mm-hmm. it's still, it's still, there's residue of um, goodness that's left. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that. And and I really appreciate your willingness to try new things. Like that's something that I I value in you highly and, and that I'm really grateful for in, in you inviting me to to teach, you know, somatics at, at a yoga studio and the different kinds of offerings that you're bringing into the studio and and just your your willingness to explore all the different types of um healing modalities that are are available. Um, so yeah, thanks for being willing to have the conversation with me. You're welcome. Mm -hmm. Cool. Thank you for listening. If what you heard today lit you up in any way, please take the time to subscribe, like, and share the podcast with your friends. It'll help us reach more people in courageously and confidently rocking life. Make sure you follow me on Instagram to see the messy fun I'm up to at the Adrian Smith and check out my current wellness events and coaching programs on my website, alignedlivingnow.com. I look forward to being with you next week. Until then, get messy.